strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Think about what you think about. Okay, I will, I will. Thank you, Mr. President. Joe Biden telling us to think about what we're going to think about, that think about thing, right, Joe? Think about what you'd think about. All right. Got it. Got it. It's Mike Opelka in for Mike Broomhead today. Thrilled to be here. I was uh, talking with Julia during the break. Um, fabulous Julia, the uh, super producer. I, maybe it's executive producer, but I, I'm going to call her super. About uh, yesterday and what Mike was talking about, because last Friday something happened at the White House. This administration seems to have a habit of holding concerts after tragic financial events happen. And uh, last Friday, we ended a week where the Dow Jones was down 2,000 points for the week. And so that means they had to have a had to have a tragedy concert at the White House and they had Elton John there. And if you remember, it was just 10 days before. I think it's two weeks ago today that the market was down 1,200 and like 32 points in one day. And that was the day that Biden and his buddies had their um, their tragedy concert featuring James Taylor at the White House. So the uh, the opportunity came up to cover the Elton John concert on the South Lawn at the White House on Friday to have the tragedy of uh, all of our. All of our 401s, K's getting slammed again by this administration's economic policies, just absolutely destroying. I think we're at eight trillion in wealth now that's been destroyed since this administration took over. So we have to find a way to let off a little steam. And we do that with music. And one of the things that I do, since you don't know me, I'm I'm Mike Broomhead's friend and a radio host from parts unknown is um, we we try and make fun of the administration and this was our take on Elton John at the White House China Joe Records presents live from the White House like you've never heard it before here's Elton John I remember when Joe was cool in the Senate when he didn't drool now he wanders all around the stage Well, a crazy old man spewing hate and rage Phil Luntuffy is screaming You're crazy, crazy, crazy You're crazy, dude Singing all the hits And Biden sniffed my wife tonight you crazy man Who can forget this one? Well, Joe's not standing Dripping up the stairs Falling off his little bike Messing up his blood of hair Elton John live in the White House What Gen Z won't love this show Who will they drag up next Yeah, that's uh, my question too Who are they going to drag up next If we have another bad week We're already into bear territory In the market, I know In the first hour of the program The report was that the Dow Jones was up 200 points Well, since that since that first hour, we're now down, and we lost all the 200 points, and we're down. Uh, let me just do a quick check here. 
Yeah, it's almost 100 points in the negative. So that's a 300-point swing. This administration doesn't have a handle on the economy, and they don't understand how to run a business, which I think was one of the great things about Donald Trump and the people he surrounded himself with. When President Trump built his cabinet, he brought in a mix of business people and people who knew how to pull the levers of government, because that's kind of what you have to do. We are so tied to the economy in this country. You do need the perspective of a businessman, I believe, in order to make capitalism work. Yesterday at the White House, Joe Biden held a cabinet meeting. And this is only the second cabinet meeting he's had in like six months. I think those cabinet secretaries didn't know why they had those jobs. Mayor Pete, I know, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, is hoping he's going to get a chance to maybe run for president in 2024. So he's out doing a lot of public appearances. But I don't know if they're doing a whole lot of overseeing of the departments. And Jennifer Granholm. The energy secretary certainly is a disappointment to anyone. I'm sure in her own party she is. But yesterday at the um, at the cabinet meeting, Joe Biden said some things that were untrue. I know Mr. Broomhead yesterday discussed the fact that on Friday at a teachers conference, Joe Biden said that there were uh, 41 states and the District of Columbia where gas was under a dollar ninety nine under two bucks a gallon. And that's false. That's false. There's no state in the union currently where gas is under $3 a gallon. But Joe, you know, he couldn't be stopped. He had to say something untrue. And here it was. With the price of gas down to dollar three cents a the summer, in some states, it's below three bucks. No, it's not. He said the price of gas is down $1.34 this summer. Yeah, well, it's also a dollar thirty higher than when you took office, sir. Now, here's the other story that Joe Biden keeps telling that is not true. And I think somebody needs to whisper in his ear. But once he gets a story in him, like the story of uh, Angelo, the Amtrak conductor that he keeps telling, and that entire story is false. It's all Bravo Sierra. Somebody needs to get him to stop saying this stuff. Because it's just flat out untrue. I don't want to call the president a liar, but there's no way any of this is true. Especially the stories when he always says, um, uh, for real, or not a joke, or my word is a Biden. Those are tells when he's making something up. One of those happened again yesterday when he was talking about, again, the price of gasoline. Like many of you, I grew up in a family where the price of gasoline was a conversation at breakfast table. No, it's not for real, sir. Because when you were a child growing up, the price of gasoline did not fluctuate. It was flat. The price of gas didn't do that. So no, when you grew up in a family like you did in Claymont, Delaware, or in Scranton, Pennsylvania, there was never a conversation about the price of gasoline at the breakfast table. That's not for real. That's for lying. Oh, did I call the president a liar? I'm sorry. Uh, and speaking of mistruths, we, we have to get to the press secretary, but I'm going to need some time on this one. There are so many things that Corinne Jean-Pierre, our press secretary, who I call KGB, 
I know the the press likes to refer to her as KJP, but I call her KGB because she reminds me of a, a Soviet press official who would tell you whatever the party line was and never answer a question. And that's what she does. There was a, a protracted exchange between KGB and Peter Ducey, the only reporter, it seems, in the White House press pool the other day. That is just epic. And once again, they went toe to toe. And Ducey asked the question that made her her brain pause and may have broken her brain. I'm not sure. I've got the clips for you. We'll get into that. Plus, we're going to talk to a prosecutor. In about 20 minutes, Prosecutor uh, Wendy Patrick, who understands what happened with the FBI and the raid on the pro-life advocate, the guy who would pray outside of abortion clinics, the guy who had his home raided by the FBI with two dozen, maybe, maybe 30 FBI agents in a SWAT move the other day. Why was that necessary? Why did it happen? Is it standard operating procedure? We'll dive into that as well. It's Mike Opelka in for Mike Broomhead on the Broomhead Show. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. It is the Broomhead Show with Mike Opelka in for my friend Mike Broomhead. He will return tomorrow. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me. We know you have a choice, and we try to make it worth your while to be here every single minute of this program. I mentioned the press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre. I was not a big fan of the previous press secretary, Jen Snarky. And that was my name for her, Jen Psaki, who's now over at MSNBC. And she threw Biden under the bus on Meet the Press this week, saying that if the Democrats make the midterms about Joe Biden, a referendum on Joe Biden, they will lose. Well, guess what? It is a referendum on Joe Biden. He is the head of the party. He is the man at the top. He controls the party, which controls the House and the Senate. It's on him. The economy is on him. The lack of safety in the streets is on him and his party, and it should be noted as such. And uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre is uh, incapable of handling the job and answering the questions in the press room. And here's a here's a moment from yesterday. I believe this is Peter Ducey asking if Joe Biden thinks America's big cities are safe. Just the original question, does President Biden think America's big cities are safe? It is not it is not a um, it is not a yes or no question. It is very much a question of what has he done? Uh, It is a yes or no question. It is a yes or no question. All you have to do is look at the cities and look at the crime rates. I was born in Chicago. Chicago is such a bloody, crazy, violent city. There's a website that tracks the weekend and daily violence in Chicago called HeyJackass.com. It tracks every single shooting and murder in the city. Philadelphia is online to break another record. New York is insane. I lived in New York City for 23 years. I wouldn't go back there. And you can see the stats here as well. Violent crime is a problem. And to try and lie to us and say that, oh, it's not a yes or no question. There's no yes or no question. No, there is 
a yes and a no question. And you have to be honest about that. You're not being honest with us. It's very frustrating, obviously, very frustrating. Uh, Just around the corner, uh, we're going to talk to a prosecutor who happens to be a friend of mine. Uh, she, um, she's been on, you've seen her on Newsmax and Fox and uh, several of the conservative outlets. Her name is Wendy Patrick. She is somebody who has worked in the, uh, courtrooms for 20 years. And when this, this pro-life activist stood outside of an abortion clinic and prayed, and he was with his 12 year old son. And one of the uh, escorts, the people who guide the women into the clinic, was shouting insults at the 12-year-old boy. This guy allegedly pushed him out of the way. That case was brought up locally about a year ago and was thrown out. The local district court said, nothing to see here. Keep walking. And now here we are. A year later, the FBI and the DOJ came in, surrounded this man's house with two dozen, maybe more, gun-toting agents and arrested him. He's facing up to 11 years and $300,000 in fines. And I want to know why. We'll break it down. We'll get it uh, from the mouth of a prosecutor just around the corner. My friend Wendy Patrick joins us next. It's Mike Opelka in for Mike Broomhead on the Broomhead Show. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. It is the Mike Broomhead Show. My name is Mike Opelka. Sitting in for Mike today, he will return tomorrow. Mike for Mike, he'll be back at his spot, and I appreciate you being here. As I mentioned, there is a big story out of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where a home was raided over the weekend, the home of a man who is a um, a pro-life activist, and the FBI sent dozens of agents there to arrest this guy on a, on a charge that I thought had been dismissed over a year year ago and i'm not a lawyer but i have a friend who's a prosecutor her name is wendy patrick you can find her on uh, twitter at wendy patrick phd and she's great and she's joining us now to uh, to explain this wendy patrick thank you for being here my friend Oh, it's always a pleasure to join you, Mike, whatever you're talking about. (laughs) Well, good. Uh, Let's talk about the latest uh, files released from the Rolling Stone archives. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm ready. I'd find something to say. (laughs) You know, you are that good, and that brain is just stuffed with information. Uh, Wendy, this story of Mark Houck, who he's a nonprofit guy. He's one of the people who gives his time to stand outside of abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood clinics, and pray and or try and consult people and convince them not to terminate a pregnancy. And this story of a of an FBI swarming his home with more than two dozen, if we're to believe what his wife was telling us, and why wouldn't you, two dozen agents with arms trained on the house and the kids in some cases, and they have seven children, by the way, uh, is a harrowing tale. Um, Is this standard operating procedure for arresting someone who's really a nonviolent person based on their past? 
Well, I think the way you phrased it answers your own question. I think it's great that you point out you would have to consider that, wouldn't you? You'd need more agents and more ammunition and more firearms if you are uh, encroaching upon a house where you think somebody is armed and dangerous. So that's why this has been a head-scratcher, at least from what we know so far, which obviously isn't all the, isn't the complete story. But what we know so far is, you know, according to reports, Hauk is a Catholic pro-life speaker and author, um, as you mentioned, very, very vocal, um, very much an advocate, a pro-life advocate. But at home at dawn with seven children to have this many agents, if in fact there were 25 to 30, which is the, you know, which as you mentioned is the account, would probably want to know what more there was to the story. You know, there are accounts of a lot of agents being used. Um, Pre-dawn raids are not uncommon or under Paul Manafort. But usually it has to do with the destruction of evidence concerns, um, exigent circumstances, as we often say in the law. So those are the kinds of things that, you know, you can imagine that Houck's team is looking at now to try to figure out why was this raid done the way it was? Was it justified? What did they expect to find? And probably most important from a legal perspective, what's next? Yeah, and you mentioned something there when you talk about overwhelming force that would show up to serve a warrant and you would be worried about possible destruction of evidence. In this case, Mr. Houck was facing a similar charge uh, months, years ago, maybe even a year ago, for the alleged harassment or assault on a person outside of the clinic, a person who goes out. They're called escorts, I think. They walk a person from their car. Patient escorts, that's right. Yes, to the the clinic. And that one of those escorts reportedly, allegedly, was harassing uh, Mr. Houck's 12-year-old child and um, saying all kinds of awful things I can't say on the radio. And he is he was charged with assault by shoving that person or moving them aside. That case was dropped locally when a case is is raised like that. And I'm sure there was some kind of investigation or evidence collected and it was dropped by the local prosecutors. Aren't you aren't you done then? Is is it this unusual for the FBI to rush back in and pick up this case and take it to a federal level? It's not unusual for the same conduct to be uh, penalized, the, you know, um, prosecuted, uh, different types of courts would do with different burdens of proof. The case you're talking about was previously tossed from the district court in Philadelphia, but that doesn't necessarily mean a different venue can't pick it up. Remember, I mean, let's just look at, um, you know, George Floyd. Uh, Derek Chauvin was prosecuted, convicted, and then sued civilly. Um, O.J. Simpson was prosecuted, acquitted and then soon civilly and found liable. Uh, Even in terms of federal versus state prosecution, there are dual jurisdictions. So the fact that one didn't pursue charges doesn't mean another can't take a fresh look. But you do bring up a good point. If the facts are no different, the question then becomes why? Why would another jurisdiction pick up a case that was rejected uh, elsewhere unless they're looking at a different crime? That 
happens sometimes as evidence continues to be developed over the years, and we see that in lots of different types of cases, both criminal and civil in nature. What we have to believe is that something like that might have been done here, or at least that would be the argument, Mike, to justify uh, a new investigation and new charges from another court. Well, from everything I've read, and correct me if you've seen something different, because I, I easily could have missed something, from everything I've read, this is the same situation, the same allegation, and the previous district court in Philadelphia dropped the case saying nothing to see here. If I'm the attorney for Mr. Houck, I walk into the federal court with whatever the FBI is setting up and I say, uh, Your Honor, uh, here's how we plead. Here's the case that was dropped. Uh, call me when you want to go fishing. Is that the way you would take this? <laughs> or hunting. Remember, yeah. this is Pennsylvania. <laughs> exactly. So that's often an argument that defense attorneys use. Uh, it's often an argument because even if technically, legally, you are allowed to pick up a prosecution and try it in another court, another venue, another jurisdiction, there is a balancing of the equities that any court's going to have to do. And at the end of the day, policy-wise, you know, a court's going to have to consider, well, is it really fair that, you know, there wasn't enough evidence a year ago or two years ago, and, and suddenly there is? And, and you are correct that uh, what what Hauk is being charged with and suspected of is these Face Act violations, which, as you mentioned, was stemming from this uh, claimed attack of a patient escort. Um, and I know I, you don't want to say those words on the air, and it's a shame that you and I have both seen them in print. But you know the, that scenario, uh, one you know, a defense attorney might argue, is itself somewhat sympathetic, if not a defense. If it doesn't appear to be a defense, but then that argument might also be made to a court that, well, not only did another court find there wasn't enough evidence at at least I'm assuming that's why they didn't go forward, but that would be the argument they would make here. However, Mike, you got to imagine all the lawyers have already thought this through behind the scenes on the prosecution side. That's why I always say there has to be more of the story. Well, I just wonder, can you also say, hey, double jeopardy, you can't be tried for the same crime twice? No, no. It- no, because that has to be in the same jurisdiction, the same court. So if he's in state court and he's acquitted or jeopardy attaches, then you can't try him again there. But it doesn't mean you can't try him again elsewhere. Federally, it doesn't mean he can't be sued civilly. So there are lots of ways in which the same conduct can be criminalized, penalized, subject to civil litigation. It doesn't necessarily mean a determination in one jurisdiction uh, is the end of the story. But you also point, you brought up a very good point. Even if legally, technically, it's not a defense. Um, it may not. It might not be fair. Some judge or some court might think, and we've seen that in many of our political prosecutions, lawsuits within the last several years. So this actually is something that's considered um, by a court. Now it remains to be seen if that's going to work here. We do know that uh, apparently there's a GoFundMe page that's already raising money, um, and there are a, there's a, a real split of opinion as to this particular case that's stemming from that FBI raid, as you mentioned. This seems like it's meant, the raid, is meant to silence anyone who hopes to do, to do the same kind of work 
that Mr. Hauk was doing. And that is, in many cases, people would call it God's work, trying to convince women not to terminate a pregnancy, not to kill the child inside of them. And so this is the FBI doing what I think is the administration's bidding and saying we're going to intimidate anyone who's even thinking about doing this because just to deal with the FBI raid on your house and getting the attorneys as expensive, you mentioned a GoFundMe page. I checked it uh, Monday evening. They originally were thinking he was going to need 75000 Uh The uh, donated monies are already over $200,000 for um, Mr. Hauk. So he, he will have a well, pretty let me good add legal one, team. Let me add one thing to that. It's actually not GoFundMe, but Give, Send, Go. Thank it's you. a Christian crowdfunding platform. And then the allegations of what he's suspected of is not talking, trying to talk patients out of getting an abortion, but um, but the physical, the, the shoving. And, you know, I, I like that distinction to talk about because I know a lot of people falsely believe that, you know, you, you can't do the job of what some of these people do and try to talk women out of getting an abortion. There's a huge swath of society that does that because we want to save the baby's life. That's not what's criminalized, penalized, subject to civil litigation. It's the physical conduct that is in violation of law of uh, laws. And that is a, a distinction with a difference. I always want to bring that up because I would always hate to see anybody be in uh, be in fear of trying to talk somebody out of getting an abortion. Lots of people do that. We do it with friends and colleagues and relatives, and there are activists that do it publicly. Um, this was specific by a supposed alleged violation of the FACE Act, um, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. So that was a, it was a very specific uh, act that he's alleged of violating, not simply trying to talk people out of getting an abortion. But you bring up the great point that we don't want it to have a chilling effect whether or not people understand technically what he's accused of. Yep. Just like they tried to do with school board meetings. And this is uh, not something I will support as a free speech absolutist. Yeah. I want everybody to have that free speech right protected. Her name is Wendy Patrick. She's my friend. She's a great attorney. She's a great writer. She writes Terrific stuff in psychology today. Follow Wendy on social media. It is uh, Dr. Wendy PhD on social media. And just follow her on, on her website, drwendyphd.com. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Mike. And there she goes. And let me correct myself. Wendy Patrick, Ph.D. You get, you can't just put Dr. Wendy in there. A quick check on the uh, GoFundMe or the Give, Send, Go fundraising. It's over 251000 for Mr. Hauk, so he should have an appropriate legal defense. It's Michael Pelka in for Mike Broomhead stepping aside on the Broomhead Show. Strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. It is the Broomhead Show with Mike Opelka in for my friend Mike Broomhead. Mike in for Mike today, and uh, this hour is almost over. I'm, I'm just looking over all the stories we have to get to, including that update from uh, the video cameras at Mar-a-Lago that were not turned off. They were not shut off, even though the feds wanted them shut off. That didn't happen. We'll get to that next hour. We'll talk with the editor of UncoverDC.com. I also like to look back on, uh, on this day in history because I think we should learn from history. 
I wish the Democrats would learn from history. I wish both parties would learn from history, actually. But it was on this date uh, back in uh, 1979, Congress approved the establishment of the Department of Education. And while I am a big advocate of education, especially teaching kids science and math and reading and critical thinking, I don't like this federal department. That's just me. I think it should be left to the states. So um, happy anniversary, Department of Education. I hope you don't have too much longer to stick around. Also on this date in uh, 1920, there were eight members of the Chicago White Sox, and as a uh, former Chicagoan, as a native Chicagoan, this always bugs me because it always gets sent to me in my mailbox. Uh, eight members of the White Sox were charged with fixing the 1919 World Series. They were known as the Black Sox, of course. And uh, that scandal just always chases me, and this was the anniversary of that day. Uh, also, the Warren Commission report in 1964, which came out declaring President John Kennedy was killed by a lone gunman. I happen to believe that it was one guy, Lee Harvey Oswald. And if you want to read a great book on it, Case Closed is the book from Gerald Posner. He's a fantastic writer, and he broke it down. But uh, today was the day that they handed out that report, which said, no, just one gunman. All right, we have a lot to get to, including some COVID news that's really um, surprising and shocking. Some of it that I, I didn't anticipate seeing these reports, and um, they they make me a little nervous. And I also look at the reports uh, from the Journal of um, uh, Medicine, that I think it's the British Journal of Medicine. No, that'd be the Lancet. This is JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association. They have come out with a stunning report on what expectant mothers experienced after getting the vaccine it should scare the heck out of you and it should but they also use the term pregnant persons and nursing persons no they're women they're mothers let's tell the truth and stop being so woke it's opelka in for broomhead on the broomhead show